Welcome to The Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle. Jamie Eads joining you as always. This is episode 45. Today, we've got a fantastic conversation uh, for you. It's going to be with my friend, RJ Rabin. RJ is just one of the nicest guys in the drumming business and a phenomenal player. And uh, RJ, when we had this conversation, he actually, uh, you're going to laugh all the way through this thing because he actually turned it around on me. Every time I ask him a question, it seemed like he goes, well, why don't you answer it first? So um, I'm not sure who interviewed who in this, but it is a fantastic conversation. And uh, when I did the editing on this, I just I, I cracked up the, the whole day uh, getting this episode together. So uh, I know you'll enjoy it. And RJ will be coming up right after this message from Lost Cabos Drumsticks. The best kept secret for drummers is finally out. Lost Cabos Drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with, but these are not your father's drumsticks. Lost Cabos Drumsticks is Canada's number one drumstick brand, and they are coming to a retailer near you. With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Lost Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the US, Lost Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Lost Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red hickory comes from the center or heart of the hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than white hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned red hickory, Los Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it, becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of red hickory drumsticks. To learn more about Los Cabos Drumsticks, visit them online at loscabosdrumsticks.com, follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and don't forget to ask for Los Cabos Drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different. Join the Red Hickory Revolution with Lost Cabos Drumsticks. All right, everybody, as promised, uh, we're going to be joined here in just a second by R.J. Rabin. Uh, again, R.J., just one of the great guys uh, in the business. I had such a good time talking to him. Uh, R.J. Uh, has a fantastic project up in New York uh, called Freckled Legend, uh, and they've got a new record out um, that that we talk about quite a bit in this conversation, and I want everybody to go check it out. Um, it's just a fantastic listen, uh, and again, one of the nice guys in the business. So help me welcome to the Drum Shuffle, R.J. Rabin. Hey, R.J., good evening. How are you, brother? Hey, Jamie, how you been? Man, I'm doing well, cannot complain a bit. How are things up in the, the big city? Uh, uh, a little noisy, but, but doing okay. We had a big <laughs> Halloween parade, uh, yesterday. So it's, uh, 
it's uh it's loud yeah for sure for sure and you know i i've been following you on social media for a while and i saw you threaten bodily harm with your vehicle to a trombonist a couple of weeks ago do you want to do you want to get that off your chest (laughs) (laughs) you know i i just heard him there is a trombone player who has uh, decided that the corner outside of my window is his is his place? He plays uh, tequila and House of the Rising Sun and uh, yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> oh the I Dream Dream of Genie theme. He uh, and uh, it can happen anytime. It could be two in the afternoon, but it could also be four in the morning. <laughs> uh, New York has a way of. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I tried to find the quietest room in my house to have this conversation with you, and uh, there isn't one. And, uh, <laughs> and, Look, it's and all good, man. It, New York has a way of, uh, it's so loud, you kind of have to become zen about the whole thing. Uh, I think I think I resisted for a number of years, and it only hurt my soul. So now, now I, I, I have a very go-with-the-flow attitude and it, it forced it out of me. Yeah. Well, I, you know, back in, in my day and I'm talking, you know, 20 years or so ago, I remember they used to make the buskers in New York city actually go down to city hall or, or someplace that was designated to audition for a permit to busk and you were assigned a street corner, you know, and, and but you had to pass an audition in order to get your license to to busk with your trombone at two in the morning. Do they still do that? Uh, when I was younger in Boston, uh, I do remember that. I think if you're going to be on the subway, there's a certain amount of uh, uh, license and stuff you have to go through. But uh I think if you pull your trombone out on the corner, I uh, gotcha. Okay. (laughs) Get in a couple songs before the police come. (laughs) Well, fortunately for you, you haven't had to, uh, you know, resort to busking with a snare drum out on the corner. So, um, I've thought about it. I've thought about it. There've been, there've been dry spells where you you think, Oh, I better, I better do something. I hear you. Well, cool, man. Well, it's great to catch up. Um, RJ, as you know, what we typically try to do is kind of go chronologically. So I'm going to go back to the very beginning. Tell us all, you know, where you grew up and and how you ended up behind a drum set to begin with. And then we'll go from there. Yeah. So uh, can I ask you that question first? How did you end up behind a drum set? You know, um, my story is is kind of odd. Um, I was born pretty much a poor dirt farmer um, in just a tiny little hamlet in south central Kentucky called Windsor. And my parents were dairy farmers. So there was absolutely no chance of me ever being a musician just based on birthright in and of itself. There wasn't a lot of musical happenings going on in my neck of the woods, so to speak. Um, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to look at it, my parents um, divorced when I was fairly young. I think I was about 10 or 11 when, when they divorced. And my mom had gone back to school and got her nursing license. And uh, she moved to the town that I live in now, which is Georgetown, Kentucky, which is just outside of Lexington, the University of Kentucky. But from the time I was a little bitty guy, I was always mesmerized by drummers. And, you know, I'm 
after the age of which I could say, well, I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. That happened before I was born, obviously. But I remember the first time I flipped on MTV and saw Tommy Lee flying upside down in that, you know, frigging cage or whatever it was that he had. And I was like, oh, well, the deal is sealed. So I just started asking for a drum set. And um, my mother, God rest her soul, after about six months of begging, took me to the music store and bought me just a cheap Japanese stencil kit. And I just started throwing on every Kiss, Aerosmith, Zeppelin record that I could find and watching MTV. That's how I learned to play, quite honestly. That's the first time anybody's ever asked me that question. So thank you, RJ. Well, thank you. And uh, I'm blown out by how similar we are. My mother was a nurse. Uh, she's gone too. And, uh, but, uh, and you mentioned all the big important parts there. Uh, I think uh, Hard Day's Night was one of those uh, uh, important things. My father sat me down and said, you have to watch this. <laughs> and, and, and that was the beginning of starting to raid his record collection and scratch up all his records. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, definitely Ringo was a big deal. And I experimented with a lot of different instruments, but... Uh, by the time we had MTV, and we were probably the last kids in the neighborhood to, to have cable, but by the time we had MTV, I had experimented with some other instruments, and um, uh, I wasn't really interested in learning scales or learning to sit and read a thing. Or uh, I just wanted to bash, and uh, you said a lot of the band names watching MTV and watching the videos, especially those 80s videos where there was lots of concert footage and uh, you could really see the drummer and what they were doing. And, you know, uh, I w one year I got in trouble at summer camp because I took the curtain rods out of the, out of the window and I was uh, hitting the pillows. Uh, <laughs> by the time I, I did, uh, by the time... I took my first lesson. Uh, my first teacher, uh, who's I'm still in touch with, but uh, uh, 15, 20 minutes in the lesson, he was like, "Okay, this is this is this play," and I just I, I had it, uh, and he said, "Get this kid a kit. Get this kid a kit." Yeah, because uh, I, I think I think we're very similar uh, in in what got us. And you said Tommy Lee. My first kit was an old uh, uh, Gold Sparkle Slingerland kit that I got for like a hundred bucks from some. But my first kit that I bought with my own money at thirteen was a huge double bass Pearl uh, uh, twenty-four inch bass drum kit, and it was it was the Tommy Lee setup. And I thought I was the coolest thing on earth. Well, yeah, I mean, that's just the cat's pajamas and, and same, you know, I saved up, you know, working on farms and odd jobs and bought a Pearl export kit when I was a kid, because that's what, you know, all the big rock stars had, you know? And, yeah. um, so yeah, I think it's cool. It, it is a similar story, you know? And I, I think what is fundamental amongst drummers, which is different than than other musicians i think is the fact that you know the the gear is such a a part of it you know what i mean it's just like oh yeah i, I don't know it's we, like it's like it's more like 
uh, we both have motorcycles, then then we both have ukuleles. You're right. And, you know, I mean, I think it was uh, I'm not sure, but I think it was Ricky Rocket from Poison who said to me once, he said, you know, if a guitar player has a blue guitar, it's just because it was cheaper than the red one. You know, I mean, we're, (laughs) you know, we're the guys, you know, stuck. We can't move on stage. So we want our instrument to make that, you know, kind of visual statement as well. So we, we just geek out on gear more so than most guys, I think. Plus, I think, um, our, our instrument is so tied to the history of American music and you can, uh, the vintage drum thing is so much fun. I, I, I listened to the, the podcast you did with, um, two or three weeks ago, uh, the, the, uh, in gravy, in oh, gravy. John Aldridge. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. And you know, his, his knowledge of, of vintage drums and his passion for that. And, uh, yeah, uh, you can go back so far with drums, and and yeah, uh, I'm, I'm I'm while we're here, I'm looking for uh, your website. Uh, what color are your drums? The ones that I'm playing right now are, um, and this is what I told my builder. Of course, I'm a artist with Bowie Custom Drum out of Bowie, Maryland, and I told Kevin there. I said I want a nod to Bonham's early seventies green sparkle kit. And we, we chose a color called kryptonite green with Kelly green metal flake, uh, in the paint. But I told him, I want to be able to see green from the international space station. And he delivered. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Yeah. So you, the drums on your website now I'm seeing, they're kind of like a Ringo black and white, uh, stripe. Yeah. Yeah. That's my other buoy kit. Um, and that one was kind of like a, a gray and black ripple sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is a, a little bit more, I guess you would say timeless nod to, to Ringo. So uh, there's a reason that I pick the things I pick, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's very subtle, but like one is a nod to Ringo. One is a nod to Bonham. And most people don't pick up on that except other drummers and they know exactly what I'm going for when they see it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just, you know, for, for my cool stuff. almost my entire career, I've played black drums because I wanted to be able to fit in if I got called, called for a wedding gig. Uh, now that I've kind of shed that, expectation of myself uh my drums are gold sparkle and i i have one of those ludwig kits from the 70s that uh i, I think they call it skunk vomit or uh uh it's just these crazy colors and uh yeah i mean it's, yeah it's it all great stuff. my self-image yeah. uh, if you know what i mean i do indeed now at what point now I know you're a graduate of the the New England Conservatory of Music <laughs> now I, yeah. so yeah. When, when you were a kid and started playing when did you start thinking about like really studying the instrument and and going to school for drumming did you do you know I I hate to jump around so much but did you do marching band and things like that growing up and, and it was just a natural progression yeah. So, um, I never did marching band and honestly, I've watched some of those guys on, on the internet and, and what they can do. And, 
there's a, an amount of uh, envy uh, <laughs> that that I never uh, got in on that. Uh, but uh, yeah, school. Um, I had I wanted just like you. I think I wanted to be like Tommy Lee, and I wanted the the bus and the girl and the cool drums and the motorcycle. And uh, going to school was never even a thought. My first teacher was a guy named Jeff Kraus, and he he kind of straddled both worlds. He had a a foot in drum set and jazz and a love for jazz, but he was also a classical musician. And he taught what uh, in a, the preparatory division, that's like the high school uh, uh, at Manhattan School of Music. And so uh, at a point, a couple years in, he said, hey, kid, you know, if you're going to do this, you better start coming into Manhattan School of Music on the weekends. And, you, you know, t- telling a high school kid that the weekends are going to be spent at another school was not <laughs> tremendously interesting or uh, intriguing. But I started going and, you know, I was working on mallets and timpani and not well. Uh, don't, 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 don't get the impression that I, I, I can uh, navigate any of that stuff. But uh, ear training and, and playing with the jazz ensemble and you just get caught up. I just got caught up in it. And after a while, it just was, Okay, and now now after this, you go to music school, uh, right? And I, I did that, uh, and I learned a lot. I think there was a lot of valuable stuff in there. I definitely, uh, I mean, I grew into adulthood and and learned a lot of things. And uh, but I don't know that school is necessary for everyone or even anyone. Um, uh. I learned a lot in school. I had some great teachers. I was very lucky to be exposed to a lot of different things and be in a bunch of ensembles with, with some great teachers. But, uh, you know, where I think I learned the most and, and, uh, I think everybody has to actually just the way you said it is, is go, uh, go on an adventure for themselves and actually skin their own knees and, and, and learn the things themselves. Uh, the, where I learned the most was while I was in school to make money, I was roadieing for some local bands in Boston. And there were two, there was this guy named Ronnie Earl. He had a band called Ronnie Earl and the Broadcasters. And there was another guy named Bruce Katz and he had the Bruce Katz band and those two drummers, uh, I roadied for them for years and it was almost the exact opposite of what I was learning in school. In school, we were focused on being, uh, uh, soloist and playing fast and doing well and, uh, kind of being a race car. And when, uh, when I was sitting behind Pear Hansen with Ronnie's band or Lauren Entress with uh, Bruce's band, uh, uh, I, I feel like I, I, I watched people be an actual professional musician and something about uh, sophistication and class through uh, playing less and, and where they positioned the notes rather than how many there were. Or um, 
were, were they capable? Uh, are you capable of shutting your mouth and letting the boss be the boss and stay out of the way? Yeah. And uh, are you cool? Are you cool to hang out with in the van? Yeah. Um. Uh. Well, but, it's kind of. It's oh, kind of like, go ahead. well, it's kind of like the old saying, you know, and I say this to people all the time and I don't even know where I picked it up, but I heard it someplace and it was, you know, groove for dough, do fills for show, you know, and, yeah. and it's sometimes it's what you don't play that has the biggest impact on the music. Oh, yeah. You know, and I think that's the hardest thing for any player to figure out whether you're a you know, a piano player, a drummer, a guitarist, a, you know, lead trumpet. It, it doesn't matter. Sometimes it's what you don't play that makes the biggest impact in the group setting anyway. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And, and, and yeah, I'm with you on that a hundred percent. And I, I, it's funny. A lot of the music I love to listen to doesn't even have drums. Uh, Same. But, uh, uh, yeah. So, uh, and, and that might be a, a drummer thing as well. Uh, like, there's this Jack DeJanette record where he plays, I think he plays Kit on, like, four of the tunes. And he plays piano on the rest of the album. And it, it just kills me. I just love it. And I love the way he plays piano. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, if I'm listening to music, I, well, I mean, I just said Jack DeJanette, so I mean, there's uh, that's pretty sophisticated stuff right there. But um, the stuff that touches me deeply is very rarely uh, mind-bendingly technical. Yeah, yeah, and well, I, you know, I think. Coming, you know, I can only speak from my own perspective and through my lens, you know, and there's nothing that I love more than putting on a Rush record and listening to Neil be Neil. But I can't do that for hours upon hours because it makes my, you know, for lack of a better technical term, it makes my brain swim. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's like an ear fatigue after a while. It, it is, you know, kind of these big magnum opus drum things. I, after a while, I'm just like, yeah, I get it. That dude's a beast. You know, I would much rather listen to somebody play four on the floor, you know, like JR or, or Jeff Pecoro. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's just like, that's yes, just as cool to me. As the, you know, 32nd note Radom accuse at 240 BPM or whatever, you know, I, I, I want to be clear, though, I am not I am not putting down anybody and certainly not uh, Neil Peart. Uh, but uh, now you you have your own recording studio. Yes. Well, I partner with um, my best friend in the world. I do not have my own studio. I have a very small setup here that I do the the, the drum shuffle from, um, you know, but it's really just in my home office. Because um, I watched I watched a video of uh, Badman, no fences. Mm -hmm. that, that, that that is that the studio you built with your with your friend? Well, it's all him. Uh, Phil Weisenberger is a fantastic engineer and producer here in central Kentucky. And he built that place from the ground up. And 
my connection to Phil, obviously he's my best friend in the world and we played in a band together for a lot of years. Um, but my connection there is when he has somebody come in to do demo work and they need a drummer, I'm usually that phone call. So I've been very right. blessed to partner with him in that way. So I, uh, so it's, it's, it's more your partner who's doing the, the long hours at night with the editing and the cross fading and all the, yes. Uh, or, or, yeah. He's the magician so, behind the board. Yes. Yeah, that's the that's the ear fatigue that I, I I was trying to reference. It's just that, well, I mean, I'm sure you do it too. There's a point at which uh, there there's a point in the day where you got to take the headphones off and you're done learning music for the day because it, it all starts sounding like mashed potatoes. Yeah, and I you know I mean I think it's there's a reason why studios book in four hour chunks. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. it's because after you know a four hour session, you you don't want to listen anymore. You know, especially to the same song. Oh yeah, I mean four hours is twice my attention span. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, speaking of the studio, I I do want to talk about the new record, which by the time this goes to uh, to air, um, it will have been out for probably a week or so. Uh, but Freckle Legend, which is your, um, you, you know, I think it was your brainchild. You, your guys' record, I want to say November sixteenth is is street date on that. Um, you're 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 on it, man. Okay, well, uh, the long walk home is the name, and I've checked out a couple of tracks from that. Um, Tell me a little bit about that project and how it was conceived and, and where you guys recorded it, because it sounds great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, um, uh, I'm not even sure where to start. Uh, I've, uh, I'm 45. I've been in New York City for a little over 20 years as a sideman doing that and spending, uh, working as hard as I could to be a full-time drummer. And, uh, it wasn't until I kind of reached a point where I said, you know what? I, I'm, I'm kind of done. And I got a day job. Oh, wow. That, that, and, that's serious. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, but what the the strange thing I learned is that in having a day job, it actually two things. One, it created a structure in my life that I could work around. I always knew I'm going to be here for this. I'm going to be here for that. So now, if I'm going to practice, there's time for it here. And and the second one thing becomes. Uh, the second you're disciplined in one area of your life, the rest of your life has to fall into place there as well. Uh, and uh, so that was one thing. The other thing was I found that at the end of the day, I wasn't, my ears weren't fatigued. My brain wasn't done in that, in that part of my attention span and brain was not done. If I had spent six or eight hours learning tunes for Broadway tunes for a gig coming up at the end of the week. I, the last thing I wanted to do was sit and write a tune with someone. But here, 
that part of my brain wasn't exhausted and I could, uh, I had the energy and the desire to start exploring what I wanted. Yeah. Does that make sense, Jamie? It, absolutely. It does. And you know, it's, um, when I, I guess your desire ramps up if you're not getting that outlet on a regular basis, it kind of builds up in you, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. It was it really uh, excruciatingly embarrassing uh, to take a day job because there was this whole music school uh, and it was probably self-imposed. I'm not putting this on other people, but for me, there was the, oh, well, this is what you do. And if you did something else, you're a failure. And uh, I, I remember one time I, I became a tour guide. I became a New York City tour guide. <laughs> and uh, one day I was leading a tour and I saw Zach Danzinger walk by and I just, uh, I, I just shrunk <laughs> into the crowd. Uh, I didn't want him to see me. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's happened a couple of different times where I've seen, uh, saw a couple other drummers, uh, uh, named drummers walk by and you just, uh, but uh, yeah, now it's, it, it's, 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 now it's a point of pride. Now it's, it's something that I did that actually freed me from, uh, an opinion I had that was completely off, off kilter and, and not the truth. Yeah. I, well, I hear you. And, you know, here's the thing that that I find really cool about it is, you know, I mean, obviously you have grown up, you know, playing rock, playing jazz, playing a, a little bit of every genre of music. I think what you've done with Freckle Legend that's so cool is you've kind of mashed all of that together into this record. And, and you know, I'm not trying to put words into your mouth, certainly, um, but it, it feels to me like this really cool fusion of styles. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I don't have an elevator pitch for this record. Almost all the time somebody will say, oh, well, what, what style is it? What is it? And I don't have an answer. Uh, it, it, uh, there's an avant-garde jazz thing, but almost that comes more from listening to Devo or, or 80s uh, new wave punk uh, than it does jazz. I, I really liked the Lounge Lizards. I don't know if you've ever checked them out. They, sure. uh, uh, I, um, and then there's, there's stuff in there that comes from loving Black Sabbath and and uh, and then there's some vocal tunes that are, yeah, I, I have a hard time describing it. Uh, <laughs> most of the time when other people say what the record is, I just say, yep, that, that sounds right. <laughs> <We're>, uh, <laughs> uh, well, vocal that's, tunes, that's I probably think, are a... nice and smooth. Yeah, I mean, what, that's, what, what were you going to say? I was going to say that's probably a good way to approach it because, you know, I mean, I, I 
I don't see this being on like Sirius XM smooth jazz. I, you know, it's not that kind of record, you know, well, it's, thank you. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's not Kenny G by any stretch of the imagination. You can definitely hear the, the jazz influence, but like the couple of tunes that I heard, I was like, Oh man, this has got, this has got some funk to it. Um, it's definitely got some, you know, like you said, avant-garde uh, sort of um, elements to it, but it's not unaccessible. You know, some of that avant-garde stuff is just, you know, quite honestly, utterly unlistenable. You know, it's just yeah. it's yeah. just noise. You did know, you see the um, did you see the Fred Armiston uh, comedy for drummers or stand up for drummers? Yes. Special? And I, I think they ought to force children to watch that video before they can buy their first pair of drumsticks, you know, yeah. <laughs> so that everybody's <laughs> in on the joke. Um, right. But, you know, the record is sonically, it's very good. Um, you know, it sounds great, but it's, um, you know, God, I don't want to tell people it's a dance record, but it's, you know, I mean, it's got that element to it as well. I mean, it's like danceable jazz music. Does that make any sense? Yes, sir. And I, I really, uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, I think that's very generous of you. And I really appreciate that. Uh, uh, I'm not, uh, don't want to, I am not a chops fiend. Uh, maybe when I was in college practicing eight hours a day, I had, I had more of that stuff under my hands, but, uh, I always felt that, uh, where my abilities lay was, was creating a, a feel and, and being danceable. And, and that's what I certainly was going for with this. And, and I got really lucky. I, I brought in some incredible musicians who, who were like-minded and, and, and yeah, you know what I mean? I, I got very lucky. Yeah. Well, I did what I do. And then I also brought in some fantastic people. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, unless you're just, you know, over the top gifted, it's hard for a drummer led group. Now, there are certainly guys that that have made a living doing it. You know, um, I, I think of, you know, Bill Stewart, Jack DeJanet, Max, Max Roach, Buddy Rich, you know, all the greats were able to be a drummer led ensemble, you know. But if you don't surround yourself with those incredible players, it's just it's, you know, a 40 minute drum solo, you know, I mean, I, mm -hmm. and, you know, I think that only appeals to a very narrow segment of people. This is good music and I want everybody to check it out. And, you know, um, I, I know that you've got a link on the Freckle Legend site, you know, you've got a, a store tab so people can get physical copies if that's what they want. And it's going to be available everywhere. So yeah, it's on Spotify and YouTube and the, you don't have to, you just, get it <laughs> you're not gonna hurt my feelings uh, i'd love you to hear it don't so, don't know. download it buy it people <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay i guess i shouldn't have said that uh but uh um i mean we're drummers we're musicians i, I think we just like to share and and it's still mind-blowing to me that someone would want to listen to something uh uh to this and and 
So I just appreciate that anyone would even care enough to type it into YouTube. Uh, but yeah, by the record. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's but, what you're supposed uh, to say anyway, you know, but I, so is this, is Freckle Legend, is it kind of a, a permanent installment for you? I mean, are, are these guys that you're playing with, you know, Roseanne and, uh, and, and Kale and Teddy, is it kind of a, a full on thing? Like, are you guys going to tour this music or, or is it more of, you know, a one-off project? Well, I, I don't see this as a one-off. Uh, although when I was doing it, I, I didn't even, uh, I didn't even believe it was going to make it this far to be a full reg. I was just sticking my foot in the pool to see what it, the temperature was. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, Benjamin, the sax player, we've been, uh, friends and playing together since about 1991. We were both in school together. Uh, so, uh, my relationships with some of these musicians goes back, uh, quite some time, uh, with someone like Teddy or Adam Stoller, uh, just the past couple of years. And, uh, Kale, maybe four or five years, but this, this is my team and based on availability and, you know, Teddy goes out on the road with Joe Jackson and, uh, uh, Adam is almost always on the road and these guys are pretty much in demand. So I'm very lucky when, when they're around, uh, but this is my team. Gotcha. These are my guys. Yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, it's a great record. Where did you uh, Where did you guys do the tracking at? Because it it does. It sounds fantastic. Thank you. It was a studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn, called Rero Music, and it was co owned by Rosan Rosman and his wife, who is uh, Rie. She was the live stage. MD for Beyonce's band. Oh, wow. Uh, she's a, yeah, so she was the, the keyboard player. She's not on the record, but she was there helping. Uh, well, which take should we do? Should we do this take? They had just had a baby. So um, I was there with, with uh, both of them and the baby a lot, making decisions. But uh, they, they're about to have a second child, and his family is in Malaysia, and her family's in Japan. And they made a very... Uh, I, well, I don't know how tough it was for them, but they made a decision that for me would have been tough. Uh, they decided to move to Malaysia and she's no longer with, with Beyonce uh, because they wanted their children to be with their grandparents. And, and it, it's kind of incredible, but they've moved that studio back to Malaysia. And uh, so I don't know that we'll be going to Malaysia for the second record. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll need to, to think that one through. Uh, but uh, uh, Malaysia is lucky to have them. Well, I, the, the record sounds really, really good. And, I, you know, I don't say that lightly. Um, you know, I think... You know, and I've said this on this show, so my, you know, my weekly listeners know what I'm about to say. The good news is anybody can make a record today. The bad news is anybody can make a record today. Right. So, you know, you kind of get lost um, in a sea of new music coming out all the time. But the good news is you, you don't have to look very far to get your stuff committed to tape or hard drive you know i mean there's there's a lot of great studios 
that are just in somebody's basement or, or bedroom even, you know, so. And, and I, uh, I, I really appreciate the, what you're saying. And I, we did spend a lot of time and, you know, hours and hours and hours tuning drums and putting them in the right corner. And well, the sex, should it be in the booth? Should it be in the corner? Should it be next to the drum? Should it, uh, trying to get the right sounds. But I also think that, uh, often creativity is more important than uh, to me. Sometimes when I'm listening to a record, the, the, uh, the creativity of the person is more important than how pristine the, the wind chimes are or uh, do, do you, do you know what I mean? I do. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it's, are they playing from, from the heart? Uh, are they playing from, yeah. Does it have balls? You, you know what I mean? I do. Uh, I remember being in music school and, and I bought a rancid record and, uh, I was just so thrilled. It was, it was after listening to so much jazz and classical and, and there's a rule for this and a rule for that. And when you're doing harmony, Bach said to do this and that and the, uh, and, and just to listen to rancid and, sing over the bar line and it's not even in time. And is that singing? Is it yelling? What is this? And, and, and it was so liberating and, and, uh, I would giggle. It was just joy. And it felt like, Oh, I could do this too. And this counts. Right. So, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't want to, um, if, if there's a young drummer or musician listening, uh, just be creative, do your thing. Uh, it, uh, uh, yeah, it it doesn't matter. Don't be just get it out. Just do it, and and then do it again, and then do do it again. Uh, you know what I mean? I do. And and the the players that approach it that way of the you know okay let's you know let her rip kind of thing are the guys that change the face of music. You know, yes, I, sir. I mean, I, you know, dare, dare I say Bonham? You know, I mean, he was just a different kind of guy, you know, and, and obviously I'm a huge fan of Zeppelin and, and Bonham. That's the school I grew up in. But, you know, then you have, you know, guys like Nirvana, you know, I mean, it, it, their first record, Kurt's guitar was barely in tune on most of it. You know, yeah. I, mean, I think his guitar had been dropped so many times. <laughs> I think the truss rod was bent or something, you know, it's just it. it is the is the performance real or not? I get exactly what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I forget the quote. I saw something and it was like nobody broke the the land speed record re-engineering the horse and cart. Or uh, I I don't I I can't uh, or not re-engineering, but perfecting the horse and cart. They had to actually start a different vehicle and and do it differently. And uh, I wouldn't be afraid to do that. And uh, I listened to a different podcast you did uh, with, was it Brad Morgan? Yeah. Uh, uh, I think it was Brad Morgan. He was talking about how he sets up crazy. Yeah. Was that Brad? Yeah. And and the Tom is where the ride should be and the ride is where the Tom should be. And I, I went and I looked at some pictures and... Uh, Oh no! Yeah, I know who you're talking about. You're who actually are we talking about. You're talking about T.J. Taylor from Soil. T.J. Taylor yeah. from Soil. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, and I was... T.J. grew up as a as a left-handed guy playing a right-handed drum set. 
you know, and TJ's a good friend of mine and, you know, he lives here in central Kentucky when he's not on the road. And it's when I watch him play, I'm just like, oh, my God, this is bizarre. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. I have some drummer friends like that. I can't if I'm watching them play, I kind of have to look away and just listen. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, And when you don't watch, you can really hear how great it is. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, it's drums, put it, put it where you can hit it and hit it and, and play and there's no rules. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think it's a great approach to the instrument now. Um, you know, one of my favorite things to do, uh, on the show is to geek out on gear for at least a couple of minutes. And I got to say, you know, when I went to the Freckle Legend website and clicked the About tab, I noticed immediately that you've got a beautiful set of Ludwig standards in that photo there. And and I think you referred to it earlier in our, in our conversation, uh, the beautiful black Strata wrap that Ludwig did on those uh, those standard drums back in the day. That's a good looking set of drums, RJ. Oh, thank you. Those are the '70s ones that where they were trying to keep up with the Beatles and the the Monkees. So that has streaks of orange and red in it too. Um, and that was yeah. I I, uh, I I don't know where they called it clown vomit or skunk vomit. Um, uh, and I I. That was my first Ludwig kit, and I have a, a second one now. And uh, yeah, those old Ludwig kits are something special. They're they're a lot of fun for me. Uh, that album was done mainly with a very large Gretsch kit. I think a twenty four, and then a fourteen inch tom, and an eighteen inch tom. Oh, cool! And, and yeah, <laughs> big Lars Ulrich, big. Yeah, and and um and uh. Yeah, and your kit, I was looking at your kit, which is just gorgeous. What's the name of um, your company that does your... It's Bowie Custom Drum out of Bowie, Maryland. Um, Kevin is uh, Kevin Smee is the, the owner and sole proprietor there. And Kevin, they look like old Slingerland Radio King lugs. Y- yes, beaver tail lugs on that black You're kit. so classy, man. Yeah. Hey, man, he just... I, th- this is a guy, you know, I met him on a, on a drum forum, a drum building forum. And we just started talking and I had him build a snare drum for me. And I was like, man, this is the nicest snare I've ever played. So I had him build a second snare and then a third snare. And I was like, okay, will you build me a whole kit? You know, and, and hence started the relationship. And, and I mean, I just couldn't be any, any happier with it and and he's one of those guys like i literally pick out every nut bolt washer screw i mean it is custom you know from from soup to nuts i get to pick everything that gets used and there are no so you you had him build you three snare drums to start can i uh can i poke you and say how many snare drums do you have man um i think the collection now is probably six or seven uh, i want to say yeah i mean i I, you know i'm not um i'm not a collector you know i mean certainly some guys are collectors like i had brendan buckley on not too long ago and you know he's got you know 40 50 snares i've had matt chamberlain on and it's in the hundreds probably with them yeah you know but he's running a a a world-class studio doing drum tracks but 
you know, for me, I've I've got my three buoy drums that that kind of cover all the ground, and those are my live and they're drums. All wood. They're all wood. Uh, one of them is a metal. Um, I, I you know I got into this phase where I, I became a big fan of thirteen inch snares, and yeah. as you know, Ludwig does not make a thirteen inch Black Beauty. You know, they they just don't make it. it they're either five by fourteen or six and a half by fourteen. So mm-hmm. I got this harebrained idea, you know, I called up Kevin. I said, hey, man, can you build me a seven by 13 black beauty? And he goes, well, no, but <laughs> but he ended up doing it. He sourced a, you know, a black nickel over brass shell and and built me the one metal drum. I've got a a steam bent walnut drum that he made and then just a regular, you know, ply maple drum. And then I've got, you know, the various Ludwigs. I've got a, a six and a half by 14 Black Beauty for the studio. I've got a six and a half by 14 Superphonic. Uh, I've got an old uh, Ludwig, you know, what they referred to as the Black Rolite. It's the Acrolite yeah, yeah. In, the, in the black that's, finish. I've you been know. told that that's the most recorded drum there is. I've been told that the Black Rolite is, is one of the most recorded drums. I, I think, Which is crazy because it was that first drum that a lot of us got as a student. Yeah. I mean, I think any of the Ludwig metal drums, I mean, certainly, you know, how Blaine recorded just dozens upon dozens upon dozens of hits with a supraphonic, you know. So, yeah. I mean, I've heard the Acrolyte, I've heard the supraphonic, I've heard the Black Beauty, and they're all three Ludwig metal drums. So, go, you know, I take that however you want, but they are just all over the place. And, you know, if you count records sold, um, you know, Zeppelin, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, just those three using Ludwig metal drums on most of their recordings. I, I mean, yeah. So lots of records sold with those Ludwig metal drums, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt about it. So, well, RJ, you know, I think this has been a great hang and I've just loved talking with you. As you know, since you do listen to the show, um, you know, one of our traditions is we ask our guests for a good piece of advice. What would you offer up to other musicians and other drummers uh, to take out into the world in our day to day lives? Wow, man. I'm going to give you two that old men said to me and both of them, when they said it to them, I thought, man, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, one is don't make it swing, let it swing. And old clarinetist named Jimmy Jupri said that to me once while we were watching football. And at the time I was like, man, I'm working at this. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, slightly loosening your grip on life and letting things flow naturally has a certain amount of perfection to it in and of itself. And maybe forcing things all the time ends up not being where you perfectly should be. So don't make it swing, let it swing. And then the other thing that I am only just learning, which is why I called the album The Long Walk Home, was uh, one time uh, drummer Bob Moses said to me, he said, man, you know, it's never too early to start being yourself. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's profound, man. Yeah. 
And uh, again, at the time, I was like, man, I got a lot of stuff. I got the rudiments here to practice, and I'm trying to be like Vinny. So if you could leave me alone about that, right? But uh, here we are. Here we are years and years later, and it, it really is. that That's a true one for me. Well, I, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say once again, the, the long walk home, uh, the, the new record by Freckle Legend. It's a great record. I want everybody to check it out. You know, that's my plug that I'm going to give for you, uh, RJ. You've been just a fantastic guest and I, I've enjoyed it so much. Obviously, the invitation is open. Please keep us posted here on the drum shuffle with everything that's going on. You are welcome here anytime, brother. Hey, will you let me know when you're in, when you're in New York? Oh, of course. You know I will. Hey, can I can I nominate uh, a drummer or two for the show? Would that could I could I let you know a name or two that uh, you might be interested in? Not only can you do that, I welcome that. So you know, I mean, I tell my listeners every week: keep your emails coming. Tell me who you want to hear from. So who does RJ want to hear from on the drum shuffle? Well, there's an incredible drummer here in New York named Dina Turriello, and she toured for years with a band called uh, uh, Antigone Rising and with Rob Thomas, and she just got the Go-Go's Broadway show, uh, I don't know what is this, Head Over Heels, and so she's a regular pit musician, I think, for the first time in her career, but she's a monster, and she's got a lifetime on the road, and... Uh, She's just someone I love hanging out with. I'll just call her on the phone and, and we'll talk for an hour. And I highly recommend uh, checking out Dina Turriello. And then there's uh, those Los, Los Cabos drumsticks that you use. Mm -hmm. I was checking out that website and uh, one of my friends is also a Los Cabos user. His name is Alex Cohen. And Alex practices 16 hours a day and can do things on a drum kit I have never seen a human being do <laughs> ever. And, and he, yeah, there's a certain special kind of concentration and a certain special kind of person. And I, I don't even aspire to be like him at all, but uh, I would love to hear you get inside his head. And, and so those are my two nominations. Okay. Awesome. Well, it should be very easy for me to get in touch with, with Alex because, you know, I mean, I, I obviously I can reach out through Los Cabos and, and those guys treat me like family and they'll get us connected for sure. Uh, but, I'll give you Dina's phone number when we get offline. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's, let's not, let's not broadcast that to the entire internet today. She, she, she would not like that at all, but yeah, that's, that's great. RJ, great idea, man. Um, so, Hey, again, thank you so much for taking time. Uh, we're going to be looking for you. Hopefully you'll get to, to tour in, uh, around. If you get anywhere near, I will be there. Uh, and I will certainly let you know the next time I'm in the city so we can uh, go grab a cup of coffee and, and catch up in person. Jamie, you're the best. Thank you so much. It's an absolute honor to be on your show. Thank you so much. This is incredibly humbling, and, and I really appreciate it. Oh, man, thank you, RJ. We will talk to you very, very soon, okay? Yes, sir. All right, see you now. All right, everybody, that's going to wrap up episode 45 of the Drum Shuffle. Many thanks to RJ Rabin for 
well, quite honestly, interviewing me through that uh, and taking some time out of his really busy schedule to come on the show. I can't wait to have RJ back. Uh, he is certainly someone that I'm proud to call my friend uh, and, and we will have him back. Uh, you, you never know. We may even get him to start co-hosting because he did as good a job as me, quite honestly. Um, it, next week, uh, I want to make sure everybody hits the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using to listen in. Uh, next week, I'm going to be joined by another friend of mine, uh, just a monster drummer. Uh, David Parks is going to be joining us. Uh, David has worked with uh, just tons and tons of people. Uh, he's out on the road splitting his time between Derek St. Holmes uh, and Casey James right now. Uh, and he's also putting together the next installment of the Nashville Drummers Jam. And we talked to David about that quite a bit, too. That's coming up on December 17th in Nashville down at uh, Cannery Row. Uh, so make sure you tune in next week to hear that. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We can't do what we do without every single one of you. I mean that sincerely. We love hearing from you. Our email address is the drumshufflepodcast at gmail.com. Send me an email. I will respond to every single one that I get. Uh, it means the world to me that you take the time out to ask a question. Uh, our web address is thedrumshuffle.com, and you can find more information on me over at jamieeds.com. So until next time, may your head stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers, everybody. 